There are parts of the Bible, and today's gospel reading is one of them for me, where Jesus is not as cheerful or as friendly as we might like him to be. Jesus has been traveling around his home region of Galilee, talking about repentance and the coming judgment. And at the beginning of today's gospel text, some of the people who have been listening to him come to him full of excitement to tell him that some of Jesus's fellow Galileans have gone to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage to make sacrifices at the temple, and Pilate, the Roman governor, has killed them. Historians don't know why they were killed. Perhaps they were suspected of rebellion. Perhaps they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But Jesus's followers seem to be saying, Look, Jesus, it's the beginning of the judgment that you talked about. It's all starting. The bad people are being killed. And Jesus snaps back at them. He says, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they're worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No. This isn't judgment, he says. That's not why they died. And then he talks about a tower at Siloam which is sort of a a turn in the wall around Jerusalem. Apparently, as the tower was being built, there was an accident, and it fell and killed 18 people. He asks them about the people who died in this seemingly random accident. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. No. The people are coming to Jesus with a form of, of the same question that we often ask. They're saying, Jesus, something terrible happened to these people. Did they suffer because they did something wrong? We ask a form of this all the time, don't we? God, am I dealing with this problem at work because I went wrong somewhere? Am I sick because I didn't eat right or exercise enough? Is my child having problems in school because I made some terrible parenting mistake along the way? It's not always at a conscious level, but deep in our heart of hearts, we often think that our relationship with God is a kind of bargain. We give God our belief and our, gen- our genuine efforts to be good, and in return, God takes care of us gives us health and safety and prosperity. Without even realizing it, we assume that if things are going well for us, hashtag blessed, it's because we've done something good. God is rewarding us for being a good person and keeping up our end of the bargain. The academic term for this kind of thinking is prosperity gospel. Anyone remember the book, The Secret? The Power of Positive Thinking, most episodes of Oprah. (laughs) There's an underlying assumption. If you pray or if you get your mind aligned in the right way, God or the universe will give you what you want. Even if we try to resist it consciously, this way of thinking kind of sneaks into our heads. If things are going well, we think, well, I must be living right. And if things are going badly, we start wondering what we've done wrong. Because there's a flip side to the prosperity gospel. If we're blessed because of our goodness, then if things don't go well, it's necessarily because we've done something wrong. It's our fault. 
And you can see the attraction of this philosophy. It allows us to feel that our blessings reflect God's favor. If we have good things in our lives, it's because God approves of us, and that feels great. But it also gives us an illusion of control over the parts of our lives that are more difficult. If there's a reason for suffering, if I can explain it, then I can understand it, and I can control it, and I can avoid it. And I'm all for positive thinking. And of course, our best and our kindest actions often lead to better outcomes. But Jesus reminds us, fundamentally, this isn't how the world works. People don't suffer because they've done something wrong. Some of the hardest working and most virtuous people in the world are mired in poverty. Some of the kindest are left without friends and family. Bad things happen to the best people. Of course, we should be prudent and kind in how we live our lives, but unfortunately, there is no set of rules that we can follow that will guarantee good things in our lives. There's no way of thinking that will keep us safe from the pitfalls of being human. Towers fall, people get sick, really painful things happen. And they don't happen because God is meeting out rewards and punishments. Sickness and death happen because our bodies are fragile, our hearts are fragile, and the kingdom of God is not here yet. Sometimes the only authentic response we can have to the mystery of suffering is silence. We don't know why some bad things happen. And that's really scary. If we can't explain why these things happen, then we can't control them. There's no way to manage our lives so that we can avoid suffering. That's really scary. A really good way to drive yourself crazy is to look at a particular instance of suffering in your own life or in the life of someone you love and to try to guess why it's happening, to try to reason sort of upwards from a particular instance to deduce what God is thinking. The Galileans were killed in Jerusalem, therefore they must have been bad people, therefore God must have been punishing them. My family member was in an accident, God must have had a reason for it, That way lies madness. So often we just can't know why some particular thing has happened. However, we can look at it another way. Instead of reasoning from our circumstances up toward God, we can reason from who we know God to be down to our circumstances. We start with the affirmation that God is love, that God is good, that God loves us. So whatever happens, whether we live or die, God's love will be present. God will be in the midst of those circumstances, working to bring about good even in the midst of pain. God is love. So no matter what happens, God is using, not causing, but using our suffering for good. The suffering isn't God's will, but there will always be ways, big and small, that God is at work in the midst of suffering giving us endurance, giving us grace, bringing unexpected good out of the bad. My friend Kate, who is a professor at Duke University and an expert on the prosperity gospel that we've been talking about, has just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. 
proving definitively that not all irony is funny. In the New York Times last week, Kate had an article published, and in it she said this about this idea that God always rewards good and God always punishes bad. She says, The prosperity gospel has taken a religion based on the contemplation of a dying man and stripped it of its call to surrender all. Perhaps worse, it has replaced Christian faith with the most painful forms of certainty. The movement has perfected a rarefied form of America's addiction to self-rule, which denies much of our humanity, our fragile bodies, our finitude, our need to stare down our deaths at least once in a while and be filled with dread and wonder. At some point, we have to say to ourselves, I'm going to need to let go. She goes on, Cancer has kicked down the walls of my life. It requires that I stumble around in the debris of dreams I thought I was entitled to and plans I didn't realize I'd made. But it has also ushered in new ways of being alive. In my vulnerability, I am seeing my world without the Instagrammed filter of breezy certainties and perfectible moments. I can't help noticing the brittleness of the walls that keep most people fed, sheltered, and whole. I find myself returning to the same thoughts again and again. Life is so beautiful. Life is so hard. Life is so beautiful and sometimes so hard. And God is at work in it. There's no neat bow to tie around the reality of human suffering. There's no certainty. There's only this, the promise that God's love does not protect us from suffering. And the promise that the same love will be with us in the midst of whatever we go through, working for good no matter what. Amen.